Welcome to The Watching Dead, the officially unofficial podcast for The Walking Dead on AMC. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 9, Episode 15, titled The Calm Before. Aaron, do you know Do you know what half of uh, the statement comes after that? Um, before the slumber. Damn, you're right. You're right. So, I was like hoping I, for I an exciting like... episode next week, but the slumber sounds like a bad, <laughs> bad, just low-key episode. Yeah, but but sometimes it's it's followed by a storm, and those things can be very exciting events, and yeah. uh, you know, fu- fuck a lot of people up, you know. That's true. Uh, speaking of fucking a lot of people up, wow, this episode, uh, they really pulled out all the stops with the character deaths, huh? Yeah, and this is probably the most affecting character death we've seen since the Tombs episode where Lori despite the fiesta party actually managed to, you know, her death and Carl's reaction to it and all that stuff we managed to, you know, hit an emotional mark. Um, I think Carl generated a little bit, but I tell you what, um, and it wasn't, it, it was like the order of these, you know, when I, when, when you see the faces like from a distance and you're coming up to them and they, the highway men, I'm like, Oh, okay. That's going to be the, you know, they've, they've, I actually like these guys. I'm bummed. Angus Simpson, Samson's dead now. Yeah. But it just kept on getting worse until the end where I was like, oh, my God, are they going to show is Rosita going to be up there? Holy shit. Uh-huh. And and instead, it's it's Enid and then Henry. And, you know, I don't really care about Henry very much. But, you know, I care a lot about Carol and Daryl and Daryl trying to shield Carol from the the hideous sight of that. Um, <laughs> he comes and just, running in screaming, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> Uh, it actually, it actually got some waterworks going. I got choked up just because Melissa McBride and Norman Reedus made me, made me care about them caring for each other. And, yeah. uh, it was, a it's, it's a hell of a, hell of an episode. I thought a yeah, lot of yeah. problems like I, and in fact, my, like the first, I don't know, third of this episode, I'm like, wow, there's a lot of like cheesy walking dead things that they're kind of fallen back into which you know i kind of expect they're not going to make a clean break with the old regime but by the end of the episode i'd taken all those words back it it was really really affecting and well done yeah and i liked the way they did the reveal on that i liked um kind of the intercutting between the you know the scenes of of hope uh that that sadiq is trying to uh give them at the end you know the story he's telling as opposed to the story alpha wanted him to tell um Mm-hmm. I thought all that stuff mostly worked, you know, it's, it's, it's yeah. a change. It's something I'm getting used to with the walking dead, which is being mildly impressed with what they're doing as opposed to thoroughly disappointed. Yeah. And there was like some really pretty shots. I thought that final shot of Lydia and Daryl on the hilltop was, yeah. um, real nice to look at and evocative. Like so many shots this, that's this year have been, they're just, you know, not like, hey, we need to get this shot. Let's well, it's you know, blah, like, you know, well, the sun's shining, it doesn't really fit the mood. Oh well, like I don't know whether they're just sweating the details or they're getting really f- fortunate with their weather. But like when they set up a brooding, isolated, lonely shot like that, it actually makes me feel it rather than you know just derision that they're trying to. 
do something above their pay grade. Even this, I yeah. I kind of started feeling like, oh, they're just jumping around all kinds of times, and like this is this is the old trick to make something you know that doesn't really land. Try to land, it's going to be clumsy. But no, like it was a little confusing. But like I understand why they did it because it perfectly aligned all the gut punches in a way that they couldn't if they just told it. So like they actually had a reason to break the chronological flow rather than trying to like you know what it's cool when tarantino does it mm-hmm. yeah it is weird it is weird to expl- they explicitly and specifically praise the show <laughs> <laughs> for doing basic drama things right but goddamn, they got yeah. me they got me no the, the other death that you know we didn't mention is tara and that's maybe the biggest gut punch for me like Enid's been such a minor character even when she's had like her jss moment in the sun she's been relegated to the background most of the time that's uh, true tara has Although been like s- stepping forward this season and that's i was getting invested in seeing tara be the leader of the hilltop and now she's done like i that's disappointing yeah i uh i wish they'd flipped it and boston rob's head is on that spike because i don't yes. i like it i i like it i always thought that um you know i i, I shipped her and carl i thought they were cute together um you know, the way she that, that, that she's handled some of the shit that they've gave given her. Um, I, I thought, she, yeah, I, I really like Enid. And I was kind of uh, it's wild because like I thought when they were panning from her, it was going to be the Rosita, you know, when uh, Gabe was like, hey, yeah. have you seen blah, blah, blah. I'm wanting to talk. Oh, no, they went from there to Tara. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's it's not it's. But yeah, like what Tara's been around since what, season four? Yeah, the prison with the governor. Uh huh. So, and you know, not exactly a fan favorite, but I always like Fist Bump. I liked it when she was a joke. I liked it when she pivoted to a, a serious character. I liked mm-hmm. her stepping forward to be uh, in a leadership role. And I thought the show. I, I wonder how many of these deaths actually felt painful to the actors because they're like, "Oh God, I'm finally getting decent material." And uh-huh. you know, it's like Tara is the version of. Uh, give this person an insane amount of backstory in one episode, except for it's one season. Sure, <laughs> sure. But that works really well. And even uh, uh, Brett Butler, right? Mm-hmm. Brett Butler. Um, they did a lot with the uh, the the blacksmith couple, Mister and Missus Blacksmith, and oh, gave yeah. him a baby and gave him hope uh, after they'd been through so much. And you know, her going down like a hero. Um, I, that's the other thing. I like that these people were, you know, I, I was moved because they were victims, but then I was moved again when I found out that they all went out like heroes and, mm-hmm. you know, Sadiq kind of lionizing them. It reminded me of that uh, one-eyed Spartan that returned to tell the tale of the Battle of Thermopylae and inspire the whole, like, like the, you know, you're just waking a sleeping giant with this shit, Alpha. Um yeah. Yeah, this, that was there's the other so thing much I, stuff that happens in this episode because yeah, that's a whole other can of worms, right? Isn't yeah, that, yeah. I was gonna say the 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 storm that's shaping up here. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's to me like I feel like season eight of The Walking Dead. You'd have these ten pikes, and there would be like six. You know, nine of them would be characters we've hardly ever even spoken to or seen mm-hmm. on screen, yeah. and the tenth one would be somehow Rick. Like Rick's right. head would show up on there and and they would never explain it. It'd just be like there right. and gone. Mm-hmm. And then they'd have this big shocking moment. It, Negan would come up and hit it with a baseball bat, tee, up, mm-hmm. tee it up. Like, I, I don't know. Season eight would have been a train wreck if they tried this. Mm-hmm. But instead, like maybe three, 
Oh, maybe I, I'd say three of the people with heads on pikes. I didn't, I, you know, like uh, uh, even Angus Simpson, that the Samson, they named him after he's dead. But like, yeah. I liked him. He's the highwayman. So I recognized uh-huh. him. I'm sad he's not going to be a bigger part of the show. Like him with his wrench of fury. That's some that's some pulp goodness. I liked it. But yeah, like, oh, the redhead that kind of took a shine to Henry this episode. Uh no. Angus Sampson's number two. Uh-huh. Uh, Angus Sampson's number three. I, who cares? But yeah. a surprising number of them landed. And, uh, you know, the ones that landed, probably half of those, they just kind of breathed life into this season. So I, I'm go. surprised they, they didn't take out one of the FNGs, one of the, like Connie or I somebody. I really was talking. I feel like that would have united or, all these groups, right? Like, Okay, mm-hmm. now everyone suffered losses together. This is no longer like a, oh, they've had their losses and they've had their losses separately. It would have brought everybody together in more, I don't know, in a stronger bond. But okay. yeah, no, I thought it was interesting how they bought the community bonded together to do this like uh, NATO do- uh, doctrine that the attack on one of us is an attack on all. And then fucking Alpha went and attacked them all. Yeah. Use this opportunity that the, the, uh, the carnival. Um, gave her the fair fair, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> which I really liked uh, to, to, to strike at all the communities at the same time. And I, I like you, I thought I thought it was kind of wild that they didn't kill any of the FNGs. Um, yeah, but I don't know. Maybe that's like they'll, they'll that that could possibly generate some drama that there's a little res- je- jealousy and resentment there or it might like I feel like the FNGs are like super motivated to um, earn their spot. And that this might even motivate him to like like even greater levels of heroism and doing doing daring do because they'll feel that weight like that survivor's guilt you know that yeah. these communities took us in this all shit started happening we got to fight for our new homes right so yeah, could be um, and they're gonna need somebody then, to step up in hilltop and you know they're living in hilltop so I think and then Lydia like oh god like she's going to be a central figure whether she wants it or not yeah um yeah and i think that the young people community are probably primed to be real dicks to her i, I don't they, i don't know they don't I'm, exist I'm, anymore do they like that's half true of them were there's one that dude <laughs> there's one callow teenager left in the whole fucking town oh and he's and quaking how... in his boots man his, his two buddies just right. got murdered right i guess he's hilltop and she's gonna live in alexandria Okay. Um, it, it it does suck that they killed like so many of the teenagers because they could have done some interesting stuff with that too. But I guess yeah, one way to do is just liquidate them all and just have Lydia <laughs> sure. remain. Yeah, I mean, Henry's what is gone? Gage and Rodney are gone. Are, yeah, Addie's gone too. Like they killed Addie's, three, Addie's gone four out of the sure. five teens that we know. No, no, no. They they left one of the one of the teenage jackasses alive. Yeah, the blonde um, one. The blonde one, yeah, the blonde bang punk. But the others, yeah, they liquidated. It's just him and Lydia. That's it. That's it for the okay. teenagers, as far as I can tell. Is, is he? Is he Gage? Is that his name? I fuck. I don't I, know. I'm not. They're so. they're gonna have to. I'll, I'll, I grant people's names when I start caring about them. Yeah. Connie got her name two, three, four episodes ago. Mm-hmm. I think all the F and G's now are named. I got the last one, Kelly, <laughs> because she had a real good scene with Connie, who I now give a shit about. So like. Blonde bung, blonde bang punk, chubby cheek punk. Now nah, you're, 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 uh, <laughs> I still doctor disrespect throwaway line until I actually give a shit about you, which yeah. is probably going to be never. Yeah. Yeah. He'll be dead before you care about him because he's a shit bag. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just learned 
Yumiko's name too. So like, mm-hmm. y- you know, they, yep. they haven't done a great job uh, giving them enough meat for me to to chew on and learn their names. And I'll tell, uh, here's a controversial statement: the professor is still the professor to me. Boston Rob's still Boston Rob. Okay, like they they have the the FNGs, and I'm Boston Rob. You're still an FNG. <laughs> I remember when you were a whiny ass in a cage. With Gregory. That wasn't that many yeah. episodes ago. Stand yeah. it up for that guy. Yeah, eat a dick. I'll get, give you a name when I start caring for about you. And it's it's not, you know, I starting to care about you because Enid care about you. Enid's left the building. F- fuck you, Boston Rob. You're still Boston Rob. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Here's what's new in premium content for our club members. On the latest episode of Off the Clock, we're catching up on Constellation. Aaron has some Avatar, the last Airbender to talk about. And perhaps I'll give a belated review of Monarch Legacy of Monsters. You can find that in your premium feeds this Wednesday. And don't you forget about lunch. Because our weekly Q&A session starts at 1 p.m. this Friday on Patreon. But if you can't catch the show live, you can listen to the podcast later that evening. If you want more Bald Move in your life, head over to support.baldmove.com to find out how you can get tons of bonus audio and video content, plus ad-free feeds. We should probably get into the uh, the recap here. Uh, yeah, we've, that's we've, the calm before the podcast. Let me tell you, we're just going to oh, unleash yeah. the howling beast now. Here comes the slumber. Uh, all right, I, there are a couple <laughs> of uh, people killing walkers on their anniversary. They roll up on the hilltop and become active members of the community before they celebrate another anniversary. There's a, a carving scene or something in here. I don't know. Uh, they load up a cart and they leave for the fair. Unfortunately, they're murdered along the way by whispers. They're riding out with chest full of hope and love, and they yeah. end up getting skinned for their trouble. Hope literally I, dashed here. Yeah, this is uh, the hope chest spilled on the ground. This, this is stupid. I don't <laughs> like the, this. This anniversary <laughs> motif. It's it's it just didn't work. Like uh, it, they they realized they'd painted themselves into a Walking Dead corner of like, ah, oh, fuck. We've kind of made this button a thing and. And it was kind of like a Henry and Lydia thing. And now we want to make it a bro. We don't have any support for that. Like, shit, can we do something with anniversaries and that kind of theme? And no, you can't. You can't. Um, <laughs> Did these symbols ever work? Like, if, if you make them so obvious, like if you say, hey, look at this, everybody. This is hope. You see this pendant here that we've got? It's mm-hmm. hope. And you spell like it out Superman's that much. Ass. Can it ever yeah. feel not cheesy when they try and do something like this? No, like they're they're the the first payload is supposed to land when you know Lydia flashed it to Henry to show that she was saw. But you even the man watching this episodes twice and taking notes and doing a podcast fucking whiffed on that. So like no that that and and this trying to like turn it into a broader kind of like Superman's no oh, on my planet this means hope. No, it's no, it's dumb. But 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 it does work because. Alpha using this lady's skin and yeah. like hair and all that and stuff clothes. to walk amongst the living the way she walks amongst the dead was a very tasty thematic tie-in that I quite enjoyed. So yeah. blonde anniversary lady died so that Alpha's character can live. <laughs> Hil- uh, Hilda. Hilda is her Yeah, name. Hilda. I'm sure you I'm Hilda sure Hilltop. Hilda Hope Hilltop. That's her name for real Hilda. Uh-huh. Hilda Hilltop. <laughs> I don't think her last name is Hilltop, but yeah. 
Hilt, Prove Hilda me Hilda wrong. <laughs> I can't. Hilda Hilltop. I really can't. No, no. She's she's uh, she's hippie blonde girl that got scalped and she's yeah. dead and uh, her name's gone like tears in the rain. Uh, all right. Ezekiel begins the fair with a speech about what Rick and Carl built and he spots Carol on her way out to find Henry. Michonne shows up with everyone in tow, um, so there's no need to go out. Carol sees Judith for the first time in years. Uh, Tara's pissed that Lydia was brought to the fair and Michonne says, we need to talk. Which will be the um, next you cut Jesus completely out of the the memorial leader speech that that uh, Ezekiel gave. You know, um, Jesus. I don't know. Look, Rick is the George Washington here, right? Like he's the guy yeah. that everybody is going to give credit for building this community. Jesus is second fiddle at best. He's he's, he's a Hamilton. He's he's saying he's Adams, President Adams. Uh, sure, yeah. Madison. That's about the caliber I, of Jesus here, yeah. <laughs> G- hey, look, Jesus had to die so that Tara could live, so that she could die, so that <laughs> so Lydia the, could live. So that Daryl okay? could get pissed and kill some yeah. more yeah, 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 survivors. Yeah. Um, I, I, I liked Ezekiel addressing everybody like the king with the paper mache tiger, like menacing Jesus. everybody. Um, his speech was pretty good, you know, like Rick Grimes destroyed the bridge to save us all. Mm-hmm. And though that... That river crossing might be gone. We've built a bridge nonetheless. Um, the trade continues to feel sho- shoehorned onto this event when he's like, yes. eat, drink, trade, be merry. Like, get what? Come on. What, what is, is trade the, the trade fair? Well, yeah. okay, I have This is like my number one question about this fair is how are they trading? Because Tara makes it clear. She goes in, she fist bumps everybody, says, none of you getting paid. None of you getting paid. None of you getting paid. How are they trading anything? What do these people have to trade? If I'm standing on top, if I'm standing guard at the top of a fence, I got Uh nothing. I got a stick, maybe. And once I trade that for a ham hock, I'm done. Yeah, it's kind of like when Star Trek, where they make they establish that they're in a post scarcity, post currency economy, and yet they're still playing poker and trading federation credits and stuff like what wait what is this seems like capitalism with extra steps i don't understand uh yeah i that's that's a good question i mean clearly it's i think it's supposed to be like a burning man type of deal where you have durable goods and you can trade them for art and you can trade them for innovations and you know what it did it felt just like any of these small time county or small uh, town fairs in indiana or ohio like oh it's the apple butter festival because here's the emt with a booth encouraging you to learn cpr and change your fucking batteries Mm -hmm. uh you know every three months or whatever you're supposed to do once a year on the solstice i don't know i I forget what you're supposed to and your smoke what, what the big date yeah, your smoke detectors, and you've got you've got a blacksmith selling his shit and trying to you know try, selling you mall ninja stars and whatnot, and yeah. uh, you've got you got your your food, your elk, you know your your sides of elk and whatnot. It it just felt it didn't feel like something vital, except for I think I, I think it was a mistake to portray the kingdom as failing. It should have just been that like they've all been isolated and they're weaker that way, and this is a reforging of their 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 brotherhood and their their sisterhood, their family. Well, they've never actually and, portrayed the kingdom as failing. They've only said yes, the kingdom is failing. Yes, where all the other stuff about them not like being there for each other and just like big stuff and small stuff, you know, just like they're not putting yeah. forth the effort. I think um, is all that you needed to do. So like the the trade always felt shoehorned on this and. Yeah. It, it made the fair, it made the speech that wasn't really inspiring kind of sound mercantile and corporate. It's weird. Huh. 
Okay. I did I, I did love Jerry's backronym of the uh first annual intercommunity reunification fair. Yeah. Pretty good. The fair fair. But, yeah, it's better better than Ezekiel's fair of new beginnings. What the fuck? I don't know. This is the first one though. I was I did have that question. Like, is this something they've been doing for the last six years or is this the first one? No, it's first annual. I felt like that that's is it, it did did we sell our world building so much that this was there's more than this but I th- I thought they implied maybe they were doing these on a fairly regular basis until the the scars edict went up maybe um but yeah I thought that was confusing too um did you, why with the, the CGI doves did you notice that no not only were they CGI, but two of them were doing the identical. They were the identical model and the identical animations. Like their oh, no. wingtips were synchronized, and like it's not that hard to release six doves, man. Uh-huh. Like David Copperfield does it in every fucking magic act he does, and he's just a Vegas show. Like what you, you can't you can't get six to ten real doves and just release them. I I couldn't like this show does not want to fuck with animal wranglers. It's just not yeah. going to do it. Dogs. How hard is it to get three or four fucking trained dogs in Hollywood? They got to have a hundred at any one time, but they'll just CGI dogs and stuff. It's it's a weird, weird fixation for the show that does so much stuff practically. Uh, the other thing that I like about this scene is when Lydia sees how Henry's greeted by his mother uh, when mm-hmm. when he shows up. Yeah, it's uh-huh. getting a hug instead of a slap. It, it's like you know the contrast couldn't be more stark. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I just enjoyed seeing that. They continue to do that to show like that this is just better, you know, like Alpha's bullshit is just that it's just bullshit. You can't. Oh, yeah. You know, like that's not even living. If that's what life is, then you might as well eat a bullet because it's not. And yeah, yeah, that, that's one thing they do effortlessly. Like if if Lydia's if if nine out of ten of those people would give up walking with the dead right now, if they could get inside the kingdom for one second. Oh, yeah. Which. I had this, I had this joke that I was making with myself. I wish you were there. You could, you'd enjoyed it. Uh, as lit, as Alpha's walking amongst all the fairgoers, I kept on thinking how funny it would be if she just like, you know what? I'm just going to stay. Uh-huh. I'm just going to make all this permanent. Uh, I'm Deborah now. Hey, I'm from Alexandria. I want to stay in Hilltop and just ghost the rest of the people. She just never comes back. Yeah. She's like shopping and getting it. Like, oh, this is a bites into her first Carl heirloom freedom and hope tomato. And it's like, nope, this I'm not going back to Grubs. Fuck it. <laughs> Fuck it. These people don't smell like dead assholes. I'm staying. (laughs) (laughs) Up next, the Council of Leaders convenes with Michonne apologizing for the time she spent as an isolationist. Uh, Alexandria grants asylum to Lydia, who's grateful. Tara's pissed because her community will bear the consequences of this this decision. And they agree to send some of their fighters to Hilltop for protection. The Michonne proposes a mutual protection pact. And everyone agrees to that, and they seal the deal by signing Michonne's charter, which was it's surprising to her that that thing still existed. Was treacherously stolen from the coffers of Alexandria and delivered unto the enemy. Um, here's here's the other neglected character. So I've talked about you know how yeah. they, they didn't do much with Enid. They made her a doctor. Ooh, big deal. Um, uh huh. Oceanside. That's maybe the most ridiculous part of this entire episode is that Oceanside is even there to like say, yeah, we vote on this because Oceanside literally who literally who? Yeah, I don't know what happened to all of Oceanside. It's it's ridiculous that I don't know who the leader of Oceanside is. 
It's insane. Are we supposed to think that that's the that the little girl that grew up in the last five years, but they just no decided idea. to make her a different actor because we wouldn't buy that she stayed the same, even though Enid had the exact same time jump, and uh-huh. we're supposed to think that she's twenty eight years old now. And Henry, and... Henry for six years, yeah, right. I yeah, like li- yeah, Cindy Lou Who from Oceanside. I don't, I don't get it. I yeah, no, yeah. I don't even know why they're here at this point because they're not telling a story with him. Mm-mm. Uh, I guess we did get to see the the building and unification of these communities. After all, it just didn't happen in the way or when we thought it would. Um, yeah, you know the the yeah. six year jump. We were complaining. Oh, we wanted to see you know this charter come together and and how they define all these rules and. You know, we did, we still didn't get like the definition of those rules, but we did get the actual coming together of the communities. It just took way longer than we expected. Yeah, I think it's. I don't think they will in a million years, but I think it would be kind of cool if at the end of each season or half season they have to amend the charter because of some lesson they've learned. <laughs> so uh, they take Oceanside off. With, yeah, they're not pulling their weight. They they do nothing <laughs> yeah. over at Oceanside. They just lounge no, on the I don't beach mean, all day. I don't, I don't mean take people off. I mean, like, add an amendment, you know. But yeah, yeah, like, if First Amendment, Oceanside never was a, one of the communities. Uh, uh-huh. We were always at war with Oceanside. Um, but I think it would be cool to continue to, to do something with this governance and the tensions, maybe. Because, you know, you can get in a lot of trouble with the NATO-style sty- alignment. If you just let anybody in, it's like, oh, man, are we... Oof, are we really going to uh, invoke Article Four powers, whatever, for Liechtenstein? Really, mm-hmm. Liechtenstein, Liechtenstein, World War Three for Liechtenstein? Am, am I the only one that thinks this is crazy? Like, yeah, maybe. I, I think it would be cool to explore some of that stuff in the uh, upcoming seasons. But eh, yeah, it, it it is pretty cool that they're able to sign the document at this momentous time. Um, you know, rechristened it, I guess. And what is that? That's also something like you. We think that the United States formed like in 1776. That was just a declaration of independence. It took years of wrangling and like, I think, two failed constitutions and governments before we actually got the one that stuck. Mm -hmm. So it's not even a historical that you would have these, you know, hiccups and stops and starts forming a government from this confederation. So pretty cool. Uh, And that moment, I I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about it because... It's mm. it's kind of like, oh, yeah, this has all been gross all along. Uh, but when Michonne tells Gabriel to sign the charter because it should be the leader of the council instead of the de facto leader of Michonne, I, mm-hmm. I feel a little gross about that. Like, it, it's cool Why? that Gabriel signs it, but he should have been, you know, as leader of the council, he should have been part of these decisions all along, and he's not been. Yeah. So. Yeah. Trying to get right. Trying to get yeah. right late, but at least it's they're fair. getting right. Yeah, you... you you need to do that before things can get back to normal. Uh, then we take a tour of the fair. Lydia wants to leave until she finds out that there's a movie playing later that night. And Ezekiel and Carol are shocked that their son was able to find a date for the movie. Me too. Me too. Yeah. Um, can we take a moment to pat ourselves on the back with how kind of like right on we were with our renaissance fair pitch it's like, hilarious because the entire time i was just cracking jokes and and thinking uh-huh. of like the dumbest things they could do and they did at least uh-huh. one with eugene in the dunk tank i was happy oh, eugene to see that dunk tank um i thought like we had a cut some cut material about juggling and there's a juggler there's like you can right. hear the faint renaissance fair music that's kind of wafting through the crowd 
and the blacksmith showing off his fantastic inventions, which in this case is a tomahawk, you know? Sure, um, that he probably just salvaged from a museum. Yeah, and they also made the point of like, what what an adjustment for Lydia to go from yeah. the way she's living to not just like standard kind of hard scrabble hill, uh, hilltop or, or kingdom life, but in the middle of a fucking fair where they're going to watch a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they, they showed her as like having, you know, kind of discomfort. I think um, the same way Daryl, even when he comes back to community, feels more safe and secure up in the barn loft. I think she's kind of got that same kind of fair on yeah to her. And yeah. it's coming out in the way she feels about this. I thought that was nice because, uh, you know, this the show would be tempted to have a teenager just instantly fall into like, oh, it's a fair and I'm here with my boy and there's no problems at all. But, you know, she's she's very traumatized. Mm-hmm. And boy, howdy, doesn't even know, doesn't even know the half of it till this episode's over. Yeah. Uh, then Luke tries to talk Boston Rob into joining him on stage for a musical performance. Uh, Enid and Rob, Boston Rob, make their relationship official. Uh, he commits to Enid, but not to Luke. He's, he says he's got to think about it. And then we go over to Kelly and Connie talking. Uh, Kelly's sad about Connie leaving without ever saying goodbye because everyone could be their last. Uh, Connie apologizes and then says that so- something happened that means yeah. babies are a sensitive subject to her. I don't know if she lost a child, um, you know, kind of like Michonne did, or if mm-hmm. if there's something within the community that they had, and then some of those kids were killed. I don't know what it is yet, but hopefully no, it's we'll definitely they're planting a flag of character development here to yeah. allude to something, and something that like, because uh, I, I thought this was really good, you know, Kelly saying... You left that saying goodbye, and in this world, every goodbye could be the last. So, like, what the fuck? And Connie's like, yeah. I was just overwhelmed. So that must be something, like, really big, right? Um, I assume so, yeah. And they've hinted at, like, the trauma that that group has been through, you know, losing all, losing a whole bunch of members. Um, and they're kind of the remnants of what I, what appears to me to be, to have been a much larger group. Yeah, that, 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 You sure. know, traveled around city to city, like, that they were in several communities and just kept, their numbers kept dwindling, and now here they yeah. are finally. I wonder the uh, the thing does it does it feel organic to you the fact I, I guess it, yeah does it feel organic to you the way they keep weaving relationships between these characters out of kind of nothing like you know Connie and Kelly are sisters um, Magna and Yukima Yukimo uh, Yumiko uh, I Yumiko I always want to do the Meek and Co and like flip them around but they're in they're in some sort of relationship uh, romantic relationship. Does that feel organic or does it feel a little too matchy-matchy? Um, I guess it's a really efficient way to establish characters because you're, it's two, everyone's a two for one. Oh, these are sisters. Mm-hmm. So when we find out something about one, we find out something about the other. Oh, these are lovers. So when we find out something about them, it, like they kind of, it's efficient, but also the small group of survivors plucked out of a seemingly random group. It's wild that they're all kind of like coupled up and interconnected. Yeah, I mean, I I get what you're saying. It doesn't feel strange to me. Like I, yeah, knowing nothing about a group going in, I would assume that some of those people have pretty strong bonds um, mm-hmm. from before. Although we're getting further and further from before, right? So like at this point, those like, oh, this is my sister, or this is like uh, someone I knew before 
the the apocalypse mm-hmm. broke out and we were best friends in high school or something like that or grew up together those things will start to feel like they should be fewer and far between um yeah but yeah stuff like you know the stuff that develops during the apocalypse i think will just happen and i guess if you randomly flee a scene you're probably going to flee in the pairs. Like it's going to be like, you yeah. you know, make sure your lover is safe and then you flee off with them. Make sure your immediate family member is safe and you flee off with them. They would kind of like maintain these, these nuclear bonds. And, and it has been one damn thing after another. Cause the other thing is like, how is it that, you know, these people were like lovers in this case. And there wasn't even a hint of it before this episode. Um, yeah. I, yeah, but I guess, yeah, if there's been one damn thing or after another, it's, there's not been time for that character development, I guess. It, it feels a little bit like some of this stuff is a discovery, though, yeah, like in the writer's I, I room, you. you know? Uh-huh. Um, yeah, we we talked, you know, about some of the things were happening in the fair here, but I, I wasn't sure if Daryl busting out his bike meant he was going to do some sweet motorcycle stunts. It's like <laughs> build, build a ramp and jump over, like... Yeah. Uh, the blacksmith booth or something. Lord Lord Darrow will now jump over the Megabus, <laughs> which we have Megabus. welded together for this. Spe- no one has ever jumped a Megabus before, not even in the old world. Yeah, that would have been. Add one bus every year. <laughs> and finally, yeah, finally figure out the purpose of the Megabus. Holy shit. Yeah. Uh, the Megabus was underserved this episode. I'm disappointed. Mm. There's still still more fair, perhaps, to be celebrated after all is said and done. But I I need more Megabus. Yeah, <laughs> Lord Daryl of Dixon jumping it would be chef's kiss. Uh, Michonne tells Sadiq that she's leaving in the first group and she's leaving Judith at the fair. Wants him to watch her. Uh, he hints at Rosita's pregnancy, but doesn't elaborate, promising to fill her in when they get back to Hilltop, which immediately I was thinking, mm. OK, well, Sadiq's dead. Sadiq's dead. Like you, you yeah. cannot promise I will fill you in when the when I see you next in this show. You just can't do it. I'm shocked that all four corners of the love rhombus are still intact. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's ironic. He's the only one who gets out of that situation alive. Yeah, yeah. I'm I I kept on thinking that man, we're gonna see one of the because it's it's suit it's suit like it's way sort of redundant. Um, superfluous. What did the uh, uh, what what did Carol say? Like a movie when Lydia says it's, it seems kind of uh, um, shit. She used a word like some kind of high fluting word for unimportant. Um, but yeah, like not all four of those people surviving is necessary to the plot, and it's it's kind of an overstuffed yeah. part of the plot. I I thought for sure. So I'm I'm can't wait to see what what's in store for the rhombus. The Rhombus of Love. Yeah, I read uh, an interview with like Nicotero and Angela Kang who were talking about why they made some of the decisions they made on who to kill. And one of the mm. things that they discussed is they wanted to keep the Love Rhombus alive because there's a lot of potential drama there that they it, it <laughs> made it there... sound like they plan on mining that that vein next season. But oh, I, I thought they had mined it. I thought they had mined it this season. I thought like all yeah. the weird shit with like Eugene sending out his uh, sexual assault troops to to monitor Rosita I, I think and they might. Gabriel having like this crisis of confidence in himself. Uh huh. I thought that was it's, done this season. This is the best outcome. Like if you start fracking on this well, <laughs> tunnels are going to collapse. Good men are going to die. It's yeah. going to be sad and tragic. There's you've pumped you've pumped the well dry. Just uh, just yeah, leave the groundwater table intact. We don't need to 
apply hydraulics to this situation. I and I feel like killing like the the actual like biological father of the kid could have been the most interesting way through this. Um, yeah. Gabriel and and Eugene, who I think both are fairly ill-equipped to raise this child, uh, mm-hmm. Sadiq seems like the most level-headed, reasonable, rational. He's a of doctor, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I guess you can't kill Sadiq and and Enid in the same yeah. go because then you yeah. have no doctors. But kill. I think if you they want to increase drama, kill Gabriel. Yeah, because then suddenly the the uh, there's some sort of love triangle. Although Rosita doesn't like, she's just not going to have it with Eugene. But it, you've got something there, but like, yeah, okay, I, I'm, I can fix I'm very this curious. Problem. I can add a new wrinkle. Okay. Jadis comes back. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so you get oh. the love pentagon. <laughs> yeah, you get the love pentagon, and they're trying to split uh, Gabriel's heart like a wishbone, uh-huh. you know, try to see who gets the big piece. And <laughs> Yep, Jadis is all like, <laughs> You're right. I got a kid too, right. and she has a mailbox on like a, a, <laughs> an empty watermelon rind. <laughs> I, I lacked your visionary genius to turn the love rhombus into the love <laughs> pentagon. I was trying to, I was trying to subtract vertices, and you're adding them. Clearly, yeah. that's the way to go. Yeah. Clearly, uh, Addie apologizes to Henry for telling the adults where he was, and the shitty teens approach Lydia and tell her Addie and Henry probably have crushes on each other. Looks like it anyway, uh, and not to cause problems in this community because everything is just rosy. You know, there's no kids holding walkers in pits and torturing them. Uh, There's no internal strife between these teenagers. All is rosy until she showed up. I thought that's what they were going to go for. They were going to go with the, uh, hey, man, you know your boyfriend's a fucking narc? You think he's cool? He's actually super fucking lame, man. He's fucking torched her zombie pits, a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. You know, jeopardized her teenage tunnel. Now everybody knows about it. Like, (laughs) yeah, it... (laughs) But they just went with like I don't know like Mean Girls shit. I, I was Addie in on this because I also feel like you know yeah was she just an innocent puppet of of all this. Uh, where they're like, hey man, you should go take shoot your shot. Well, before he gets coupled up and she's just trying and they're pouring the poison. I, I it's it's real shitty though, real shitty to bully a girl with this experience. You know. Uh huh. Yeah, they've got to know, right? They've got to know who I'm, this is. They're not very empathetic. I feel like Hilltop parents have, have failed the yeah. teenage generation because they're 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 soft, but then they're not even soft in like a like an empathetic way. They're just soft and and lazy and inconsiderate. Oh it's, yeah, yeah. They they weren't doing any trading at this trade fair. They got nothing to trade because they'd never done anything. No, no. H is for Henry now because he's the he's the best of them, and now his head's on a pike. Fuck, fuck you, blonde bang, chubby cheek, little <laughs> piece of shit. <laughs> I I do I do look at Lydia in this situation, and I go, man, this must be insanely hard because I remember how hard it was to navigate budding romances when I was a teenager, and I had experience dealing with human and... beings, not a bunch of yeah. skin wearing freaks. I, yeah, how she navigates this relationship, I will not know. Yeah, no, it's uh, gonna be intimacy is gonna be hard, and they they kind of showed that too, right? Like her, yeah. you know, Addie talking to Henry was just a sign of like, oh, better pack it up and and run away because I'm going to be replaced. Like she's got all that stuff internalized, but I don't know. I I, I was actually looking forward to Henry and hers relationship. Um, I thought it's yeah. more interesting than Lydia herself. 
And now we're going for broke on the Lydia wagon. I'm curious to see how those those uh, decisions play out. Mm-hmm. All right. Next up is a scene where Tara forebodingly tells competent bow girl and the guy that I'm going to call second Glenn, like <laughs> I, I, we mentioned this before, but my God, they just really cast a dude, gave him the hairstyle, get, like gave him all of Glenn features, right? Uh-huh. uh-huh. Like gave him and the same color Jake- shirt. Like, and then you also got, you got Jacob the werewolf from Twilight is has joined the group as well. <laughs> okay, uh, they're they're she's saying okay, be safe going back to Hilltop. Uh, she'll be uh-huh. out in the next group. Uh, Michonne's leaving in the first group. Daryl and Carol are also going. Um, Daryl asks Connie to feed his dog while he's gone and says goodbye to Henry. And then Ezekiel invites Daryl to live in the kingdom. He says, "I'll think about it," and everyone heads out. Yeah, and uh, Carol saying goodbye to Henry and Zeke. Uh, a lot more meaning on the second watch through when you know Henry's going to, you know, and the plus like uh, some of this stuff works on a rewatch too because like Connie's to talk about like goodbyes. You never know when they're going to be your last. Um, and seeing yeah. all these kind of emotional goodbyes work even better the second time you watch it. Yeah, uh, I have in my notes here that I think everyone on this mission is safe and the kingdom should be worried. Hmm. That didn't work out. Hmm. I thought, like, look, all the badasses are on the road. The kingdom is full of drunken mm-hmm. revelers. Like, there's no one there to protect it if things go bad. I've seen how this goes I in, had, like, Game of Thrones or something where everybody's camped out thing. drinking and... Everybody's worried about Hilltop, and we got to defend that because we don't think that they're, the kingdom's even on their radar, but we did. We knew. Yeah. So... I saw him spying it out last episode. No, it's. Uh, I was surprised by the way. In fact, that'll be out. ironic when we get to the the uh, detent between Daryl and Alpha. I came out of that thinking, "God damn, Alpha looks weak as shit." <laughs> huh? Um, what do you mean? Yeah, when 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 Alpha was like telling Daryl how it is and like they're carving up the territory and be on your way, I'm like, man, Alpha comes out of this looking weak as shit. But I didn't know about all the other. Oh, the head, the, the bloodshed like. that. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So like I and and it just had me eat, instantly eating my words. Gotcha. Uh, so then we go to the highwaymen dispatching some walkers and meeting up with the road group. They yeah. show the raided cart that the whispers hit. Um, this is the one that we saw in the very beginning of the episode. Uh, knowing Hilltop is probably in danger, they decide to split up with Daryl Michonne and Carol tracking the whispers and the rest going on toward Hilltop. Uh, prison tats and. British bow girl split up as well. Uh, yeah, this is the scene where they make Miko and Magda. Couple, we haven't, that haven't earned, haven't earned their names yet for you, huh? <laughs> yeah, British bow girl. Is that Yumiko? That's Yumiko, right? Y- yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Very highly competent and dangerous bow girl. Uh, sure. One, I want to point out one scene. Like I love Daryl riding at the head of these three other horsemen. One of them conspicuously with a sickle. So it very much looks yeah. like he's the it's the four horsemen with death riding behind. Like, uh-huh. you know, they don't make a big deal out of it. But I, I saw what you're doing there, Angela. I like the symbolism. I, I do think that Daryl's the leader of the four horsemen for sure. For they don't sure. need to make a big deal about it. I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad yeah. when they don't. Uh, I uh, Man, I think Eugene and head highwayman would have gotten along real well. When mm-hmm. Daryl's like, you know about these skin jabs? Like, yeah, I got the download. Like, they, I, I wish I could have seen them at the Dungeons and Dragons table. Oh, God. That Eugene's running because, like, I feel like they're kindred spirits, right? Uh huh. 
The, the trouble is like, he only like, ever role plays as a cowboy. So <laughs> well, I was going to say, like, he's more from the, you know, those guys that do the creative uh, anarchism, like the, the they're actually society for creative art, the, the ones that actually make the armor and weapons and bash into each other. I feel like yeah. head highwayman is that kind of nerd. And, you know, Eugene's definitely the tabletop kind of a blowhard intellectual nerd. But those yeah. types get get on together sometimes, and ah, we're robbed. We're yeah, robbed. I feel like Eugene is the DM for sure, and and Ozzy the Highwayman is like the unruly uh, player who doesn't like wants to like somehow yeah. defeat the GM, right? The 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 DM's bane, yeah, for yeah. sure. <laughs> uh, later that night daryl's group gets surrounded by walkers they fight them off but the whispers show up in large numbers led by beta and force them to drop their weapons we'll, we'll get more on that some awkward so, action i am I'm, I'm starting to starting to really cotton out that the norman reed just doesn't want to rehearse for stunts yeah no man you, just, you need to get you just get real close in there just cut just show me my two knives and then snicker snack you know, uh, th- there was a lot like a lot of awkward standing around, rotating from face to face to face, letting the zombies get close so that you can you know, just do this claustrophobic stunt work. I, th- I think Norman Reedus is the nexus. He just doesn't want to doesn't want to do choreography anymore. I did like the bow work. I thought, you know, rather than bow work rush cool. in because we've seen time again where like the, sure. the people have bows on their backs and they'll just run in with their knives to get in close. Take advantage of that range. Yeah. 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 I thought that was good. But when and then it was kind of a moment when Beta stepped forward and, you know, Daryl's kind of like, fuck, I thought I killed I I threw you down an elevator shaft. What the hell? Yeah, we thought uh, we killed him, too, man. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, you could have gave us the girl. No one else would have had to die. Now that deal is done. And boy, howdy. Mm-hmm. All right. We go back to the group leaving the kingdom to see it from Ezekiel's side. Uh, Eugene tells Rosita he's been working on a ham radio so the the communities can communicate. There's a thinly veiled metaphor about communicating with each other and their strange relationship, which they immediately tear the veil off of. Uh, They come Mm -hmm. to some understanding this relationship is just going to be weird, but it'll work. And he invites her to play D&D with his group, his RPG group, and she shuts him down, aggressively shuts him down. (laughs) Don't put your luck. Uh, I, you know, when when Eugene was doing these repeater stations and whatnot and trying to get the ham links going, I thought it was to contact outside communities. It's a really hell of a good idea to have a ham radio network just to stay in touch the four communities amongst themselves. Yeah, like, that's so they don't have to do this shitty, uh, like, we saw how the relay communication the worked, right? The walkie-talkie relay, yeah. It didn't work. Yeah, People just were like, uh, I don't know, I got a message from Rick, I'll mm-hmm. pass it on in like an hour or something. He's screaming about yeah. some bridge coming down. Walkers right. everywhere. Yeah, I'll get it to him when I get it to him. Ezekiel's full pitch for the fair didn't go through. And, you know, if, if, Michonne, <laughs> if Michonne heard the whole pitch, she, she might have been on board from the beginning. You never know. Oh, yeah. But no, it's it, like having instantaneous, real-time, accurate communication would be huge for these communities. Yeah. It'd be huge for their morale. It'd be huge for their planning. Uh, you know, it, it's, yeah, it, it it's a great idea. Good on you, Eugene. This is why we have you in the community. You're always I'm, trying to push the ball forward. I will say I still don't have a great idea how far uh, apart these communities are, like physically. Um, yeah, I don't Are either. they 50 miles? Are they two miles? Um, it doesn't matter with the ham radio. Like, it would definitely matter with walkies, uh, but a oh, ham yeah, radio yeah, yeah. can communicate across the globe, you know? Yeah, I've always assumed it was like a 20, 30 mile, like, 
you know, that's like yeah. if you have roads, that's not anything with wagons and stuff. But if you don't have roads to connect, that could be a couple days journey, maybe through through the back roads and and, and keeping them clear is, is a lot harder. So, we, but yeah, I they could, don't have a ton of relay or they didn't have a ton of relay people on the on the walkies. Right. Like there were maybe I mean, a couple heard of like relays Al- between each. I mean, we always heard it was like Alexander Relay 1. We never heard like if there's two, three, four, like is it the Beacons of Ammon Hill where there's like so. 12 of them? <laughs> right. But like, yeah, I I don't have a good, I mean, they're all within the greater kind of Washington, D.C., Baltimore, Maryland area. But, you know, that, that could be 40, 50 miles uh, apart and still have that be true. Yeah. And we know that they've traveled into the city. Uh, from time to time, like to get that wagon, they went into the city, so they can travel long distances. Mm-hmm, for sure. All right, Henry's looking around for Lydia. Tara organizes some cooperation between the communities on fighter training, um, and she's antsy to get moving because she wants to prove that she's a responsible leader. I thought it was wild how the girls are just dripping off Henry once Lydia shows up, right? Hey, Henry, really yeah. like your staff and your limp. Like, come on, and Is- like it there. <laughs> They're throwing themselves at him. I I couldn't tell if that's what was happening there because Henry reacts like, oh, I've got a girlfriend, ladies. Just back off, you know, like that kind of thing. Like he's very unconcerned about whether or not they're flirting with him. And I didn't know if they were. I felt like they were definitely, yeah, hmm. trying to get up a shirt. Mm-hmm. Well, now that I don't know Boston why. Rob's taken, you know, there are only so yeah. many, uh, I don't know, less ridiculous teens to go around well it's weird because they introduced these girls as being specifically interested in sweet on henry and then two of them end up dead on the pikes at the end yeah this redhead and and yeah and and addy uh so i don't know what they were trying to do it's one of those things where it was a little awkward kind of like the beginning where it doesn't really matter but it felt like a little road that went nowhere yeah it's like they decided you know what nine people is not enough to kill this episode. We need to kill that 10th person, but we don't want to kill any of our actual characters. Let's just invent somebody to kill. Yeah. Which, which I think is, this has to be the shortest like character introduction to death. Uh, arc that we've seen even in the walking dead, right? Yeah. It happens in the third act of an episode where they're introduced as a character, not even where like, Oh, they haven't gotten enough lines. I'm sure she was in the background riding a bat, you know, bicycle powered washing machine or something. And for, like, it's, it's it's probably not literally the first time we've seen her, but it's right. it's got to be the first time she's got a line. I, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Uh, normally they'd give her like a whole arc within the episode, right? Just to kill her later. But this time got too many mm-hmm. people to kill. Can't give them all arcs. All right, Luke and Boston Rob argue over the set list for their performance. Henry finds Lydia, who seems a little off. Uh, Alpha thinks about buying a sketch of Carol as the Whisperer baby passes by in the background. Um, yeah, I thought that was like I thought that was going to be the drama. She stole back the Whisperer baby. Like I yeah, did yeah. not fully appreciate the fuck fuckery that was going to be got up to here. Oh yeah, but like, it was nice and menacing. Movie theater. We can we can talk about it then because I think they do something really cool there. Um, yeah, I was like on pin. Like once she showed up, uh, that was so menacing. Like I started thinking, "Oh my god, this could Hilltop's going to get overrun. You're going to see some kind of uh, yeah, like set know, fire to the theater and lock everybody in, right? right? Like, 
Right, inglorious bastards, except for the bad flipping the bad guys and good guys mm-hmm. around. Like, oh shit, you know, I, I was I was on the lookout for that. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't know how many of them were in there at that point. Like, if you see Alpha, you kind of assume there might so be a many. lot more of them. And I was thinking, like, because like notably kept on cutting the show. Like, look, no one truly important is here. Yeah. Like Jerry and his whole family, which had me gripped up, but like King Ezekiel's not there, Carol's not there, Daryl's not there, Michonne's not there. Like it's just Lydia is the one, and I'm like, oh, and the way I feel like th- this is all cut in a way that made it feel like Alpha might have killed Lydia. So like mm-hmm. I, the whole time I'm just thinking this, every scene kind of dripped with menace because she's just this, you know, the Phantom Menace, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> lurking around the 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 edges of the fair. Uh, also in the scene, Henry's pissed that the shitty teens, uh, said what they said to Lydia. He says it's not true that he likes Addie. He likes her instead. Uh, they finally share, finally get an uninterrupted kiss, uh, cause Daryl is out of town. Uh, Henry yeah. hears one of his pipes he banging. Comes, he comes flying in from the next county <laughs> and s- slaps him apart. Uh, Henry hears a pipe banging. It's not his own not his own and he leaves to take a look <laughs> yeah that thing's just rattling shaking about to break <laughs> loose uh, oh yeah <laughs> also lydia apparently um was hiding out not because of the r- residual peer pressure but because she shoved goat face goat shit in these boys faces <laughs> uh-huh like literally like i thought as a funny joke and then they pivoted over her shoulder these guys are wiping like what looks like the goat shit off their faces uh, totally so. makes sense she's a wild animal Hell right yeah. like they got they got Biff Tannered. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's good, just good clean fun. Oh, throwing yeah. dung in the bullies' faces. Alright, then Alpha continues shopping and pretends to be Debbie when Ezekiel asks her how she's doing. She in turn asks him how uh to point her toward the clothing booths so she can get some sweaters for what she sure is gonna be a very hard winter. And he escorts it's, her there. This the rest of this episode feels as soon as she starts essentially saying, you know, brace yourself, winter's coming, I mm-hmm. felt like there's an unmistakable air of breaking, not breaking bad, uh, Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah? Leading at like the the palette, the quasi-medieval feel at the fair, the heads okay. on pikes. It felt very, very early going season in Game, Game of Thrones, which like is, red... in my mind, a, a compliment for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, Game of yeah, like like Ned Ned's head being on a spike in season one, like it felt very in the end of season one, season two, season three kind of stuff. Um, yeah. Which again, like I said that's that's a a compliment to me. But yeah, I want to know where to sweat. She doesn't do. She's not nearly as good at a disarming airhead mom routine as Carol is. Oh like, no, no, she she's not supposed to be right. She's supposed to be fucked up. Like, but why doesn't Ezekiel pick up on that? Like. Yeah. I felt like she did it at the beginning and she just got get more and more creepy and off-putting and weird. And King Ezekiel mm-hmm. just took it as her being eccentric and charming, which yeah. I thought was a bit of a false note. That well, I it look w- at the look at the man in the mirror, Ezekiel. Like, you don't have to go far <laughs> outside of his own yeah. home, outside of his own body to find a weird and eccentric person, right? So No, you're right. Maybe he's uniquely susceptible to that. I don't know, charm, but I, I would have had more respect for Alpha if she was able to keep it together and be more, you know, hey, yeah, I'm Debbie from Alexandria, and you don't know me, of course, because we've been estranged as a community for a while. Like, it, right. Instead of, like, pushing it more and more into kind of like, ha-ha, tee-hee, I'm a whisperer, tee-hee, you know, <laughs> I... 
she'd have been yeah. more smart. Like if she had more guile, it would have made her appear to me more smart. Yeah, it seemed it seemed like she couldn't help herself. Like she was there. No. Yeah, I yeah. get it. She's a weirdo. She's a weirdo. That's a perfectly fine explanation for her behavior. Yeah, and she's a weirdo gripped up about her daughter. Still, still, like you know. All right, uh, we go to the movie theater where the movie plays to a packed crowd, a packed house. Uh, they're playing Quackadoo Doodle, Quackadoodle Do. Do you know why they're playing it? I don't. Because this shit's in the public domain. <laughs> they don't have to check it with anybody, baby. Sure. That makes that makes sense. I actually did some research because I remember one time my mom was at this store or something and she bought like there's like this is early in the days of VHS. Um, you know, VHS tapes were very expensive and she's looking for stuff that us kids can watch. And she bought like a 10 pack of something for like $10. And mm-hmm. she was like, I can't even believe what it and And it was all just unlicensed garbage. Like uh, I've seen this baby Hubie cartoon. There's a couple of good ones. Like there is like all those uh, like Max Fleischman Superman serials from like the 40s and 50s. Huh. Um, are the which have amazing animation, super fucking racist against the Japanese, though. Oh my god, uh, wow. you know, it happened. You know, Superman gets racist when we're fighting a world war against an ethnicity, apparently. Hmm. Um, but there, there was some good stuff, but yeah, there was a bunch of this baby, baby Huey shit, and it was just all shoveled onto this cheap VHS with this as cheap packaging as you possibly can get. And I did smile real, thinking like those cheap bastards. Those cheap bastards going yeah. going to the public domain to show a movie. Come on, come on! Can't get anything from the last decade or two. Right, Fast and Furious one. Come on, how much can yeah. that possibly cost? Yeah, yeah. So, but that's why it's completely it's it's completely free. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and this so here's where I started to get excited because I really liked what they did here. Uh, Henry is conspicuously absent during this and. They don't show her sitting down, but you you know, you get it that this is Alpha mm-hmm. sitting down next to Lydia in this theater. Yeah, and I was like, oh, fuck, this is not going to go yeah. well. Yeah, that and, blonde hair and big hat. Yeah, from here on out, I'm just like, okay, I want to see what, what they do with this. And I was not disappointed, believe it or not. There's also some, I, I will say that like, even though I was smiling to myself that they chose this public domain thing. It is kind of interesting because a lot of these baby Huey things revolve around this fox trying to infiltrate the community. And Huey's this dumb, big, dumb duck, but he's always like pulling Matt. And they showed at the climax of the scene the the baby Huey pulling the mask off the fox to reveal that he's the villain. And that does like, yes, it was a cheap license, but they used it to the hilt, Hmm. which I thought was pretty. It could have just been background, but like, yeah, they, they made the most of the property. Uh, yeah. of, of doing this thematic of like this person infiltrating a community, you know, not as a like one of the Walking Dead, but as the living. Uh, it's it's pretty punching above the way. Also, while these films are public domain, the character of Baby Huey is not. <laughs> There's this long chain of custody that took him from this no name animation outfit in the fifties to he's currently owned by DreamWorks Animation through a complicated merger when Comcast bought Universal. So, like, Baby Huey, you can't go fucking wild with him, but all of his movies are public domain. Okay. He himself, his likeness, is owned by a multi-mega corporation. So Comcast. You can't, you can't make new material with Baby Huey no. in it. You couldn't you... sell a Baby Huey t-shirt, but okay. you could screen this particular movie. You know what uh, else somehow. they could have screened? What's that? 
probably Night just of the fitting. Living Dead. Night of the Living Dead. Yeah, totally. It sure, should could. Wouldn't that break the universe? Because one of the wild things in this universe is zombies don't exist. Yeah, which is all. why everybody has different names for them and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They could have shown like some of the quiet talking parts of the movie and not explicitly make it The Walking Dead or The Night of the Living Dead. So it's just kind of like yeah. a joke. Uh, or like I wouldn't be a joke; it'd be a nod. The fans would be like, "Oh, they have Night of the Living Dead. Clearly, this is a shot from it, and like they don't know what zombies are. It doesn't make sense." They would have got ripped to shreds yeah. for that, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, shoot. It's a good thing this show's never done anything to piss <laughs> off its fans. <laughs> Look, they're turning over a new leaf in season nine, man. They can't have that shit slipping through the cracks. Uh, I think I think fun with your fans, not at their expense, is it'd be preferable. I mean, yeah. What, what if they I, were I'm, all I'm shouting all at fun. the screen? What if they were like, "Yeah, rip those walkers apart, right? Oh, get those <laughs> right, right, skin, right. those get skin those sickos, those dead, yeah. the deados, the dumb fucks. I don't know what all the things that could, the biters. Uh huh. <laughs> That'd been fun. All right, uh, we go back to Alpha capturing Daryl's group. Michonne tries to exert leverage over her by threatening her daughter, but Alpha declares her daughter dead, and she peels Daryl off this larger group, takes him to a valley where they've gathered thousands of walkers, and tells him that his community sucks and their community is awesome, and she sends Daryl back to his own community with a message to stay out of what she's declared as her territory, promising that he will know the border of it when he sees it. Um, Heisenberg's in. Get out of my territory. He asks if she killed Lydia, which this is kind of, you know, th- this is all going to jump back and forth here, but we'll mm-hmm. get to that. Uh, yeah, I, I remember thinking coming out of this, like, this is a fatal mistake the show's making. They're making Alpha appear weak, mm-hmm. you know, um, like even because I, I thought that this, she had killed Lydia and then said, hey, these are my borders. Stay the hell out. Like, look, like rattles her saber and whatnot. But by the end of the episode, I thought. That's about right. That's proportional. You know, like you killed a bunch of mine and you stole my daughter. So I'm killing nine of your your randos and also showing you my unbeatable army, mm-hmm. you know. But it's not like Alpha has an unlimited amount of people. Like she doesn't really want an open war, right? She no. kind of hopes this will put them back on their back and that they can she can kind of do her own thing, maybe build up her strength, whatnot. But you know, this is this war has been a lot costlier to them than it has been to any of the the hilltop slash Alexandria slash Oceanside, you know, slash Kingdom Alliance. So I thought, I, did you did you feel like this was pretty proportionate or like this is? I, I'm guessing. Do you think this is smart politics by Alpha, like like Game of Thrones type politics? Yeah, I I mean I, I don't think it's a bad move. I think it's a surprising move given what we've seen of alpha so far she doesn't seem the person to play these kind of games um it it almost feels like this is a loss for her because it damages what i thought was her character which is just sort of a psychotic lunatic who if you wrong will will bring everything she's got at you just to prove her alpha status and like yeah this feels a little strange to me and I, I guess know, it, I'm, it doesn't to... feel bad. It's just like it feels like it's changing my perspective on who she is. Because hmm. I don't. Yeah, it's it's weird because I don't know if we're supposed to understand that she's psychotic. Well, like I, in, in the, the true the challenges like... we've seen so far to her authority have always been met with just full on devastation. Right. Like if yeah. if you bring a challenge to me in the group, I'm going to cut cut you open to, in front of everyone and demonstrate how 
I'm the alpha here. And it doesn't feel like that's what she's doing in this situation, really. Yeah. And I guess I think I understood her like killing her follower in a fit of pique as to show like the cost to her personal cost of like having this restraint because like she mm-hmm. is I, yeah. on a, she's ironically doing what's best for her people and trying to keep them out of a confrontation. Unfortunately, she doesn't know that she is she doesn't she doesn't understand the people to paraphrase Rick Grimes. She doesn't know who the who they're fooling with, mm-hmm. you know, like this. This is like negan all over again right at the time that they are banding together to remember like why they were able to beat negan in the first place and the things that binded them together like they're she she's going she's coming in to fight world war ii right as they're throwing a world war one like you know remembrance parade right yeah so i i felt like it was a perfect storm of 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 alphas not fundamentally understanding what makes this other group tick with her not having unlimited like she has got a massive army of the dead but she doesn't have a massive army of the living in fact she's taken a lot of i mean i i believe that she could lose as much as 25 50% of her people in the last few weeks right mm-hmm. to like think about all the ones we've seen go down um almost lost beta she's like you know what massive show of force plus a, a a calculated retribution, and then that'll be the end of it. I think she really thought that that would work, um, yeah. and it's it's just not going to. So, But I, I, I like, I kept on thinking this episode is like, do I buy Alpha as this big bad, you know? Because, like, Negan turned into self-parody, and I don't want that to happen with Alpha. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I don't know. Yeah, it's debatable for sure. So we go back to the movie night where Lydia tells Alpha that she cares about her new community more than she cares about uh, her mother. Uh, Alpha tries to explain that she made hard decisions, but Lydia realizes it's a bunch of bullshit and tells her to leave. And Alpha leaves after telling Lydia she was never one of them. You know, just lashing out, trying to hurt her because she can't get what she wants. Yeah, I was really shocked that she that Lydia survived. And I started yeah. feeling that's when I started feeling like, well, you know, Alpha was all talk, you know. Uh-huh. She's all talking about marking her territories and there's no bite there's uh, all all bark no bite. Uh, a couple of quick scenes here. Daryl joins back up with the rest of the group. Uh Beta tries to talk to Alpha, but she wants to be alone and she calls over one of these underlings and and kills him trying to make her feel, herself feel better taking out some of her frustration which uh, that that under that that takes that that undercuts my argument about how at at some level her living followers are precious to her they're a precious resource because she just i mean I don't know, maybe this guy's like a you know low on the totem pole dumb fuck not worth anything yeah but uh you know probably uh and then daryl's to group- drop a crow quick to drop food on the ground when he's beckoned and she's like, oh, God damn it. I didn't tell you to drop the food. You know what? Fucking die. <laughs> uh, Daryl's group finds Sadiq tied to a tree. He points them toward the northern border, which turns out to be a row of pikes with the heads of a random group of survivors atop them. Or at least that's what I thought until I saw Enid, Rodney, Addie, Tara, Henry, some other people, Ozzy, uh, and, and, yeah, the redhead, the the blonde, tall guy from one of the groups that I don't really mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, and and you know the episode title is the calm before, and I can't help but think that the storm is when they go in and kick the asses of the the whisperers. But 
I don't know. How could how could they not want to retaliate after this? Uh, they're going to, but I think they're going to have to do it smart because Daryl's going to say, yes, yes, we need to retaliate, but also, holy shit, there, how many, how many walkers was in that canyon? 5,000 at least? Yeah, thousands, certainly. A, 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 um, you know, that's a, that's an army that you could run any of these, like you mass out against one portion of the wall and it's going to fall and you're going to have, you're going to be overrun. Uh, you will not be able to maintain any one of these communities. And in fact, yeah, I don't even know how you fortify any like all four of them to withstand it. Like they're, you know, they got the situation where there's it. it's yeah, but it's kind of like what isn't this like what uh, uh, this is what like Julius Caesar is famous for, right? Like or Napoleon massing all of his armies and smashing the enemy armies one by one with it because they had to. You know, they had to protect territory yeah, yeah. and they couldn't afford to like be in any one spot. Um, so they had it's to the, divide their forces. It's and the, the, it's the risk problem, right? You, you grow your, you yeah. expand your territory. You got to protect all these borders. One one big army could just jam through any point on your your. Yeah, you can't have a, a, a you, ha- you can't have a weak link. So that means everything has to be spread out equally, which means it's all vulnerable. Right. Yeah. So, and, and like you said, because there are so many communities here, it'd be harder to protect all of them. Um because you have to protect yeah. all of them. And where I mean, do you, you go to devise systems do you go that to... would do this? Like I could imagine like a series of, you know, concentric uh, layers of chain link fence that you can get sticks and poke through, right? And kill a bunch of walkers mm. and, mm-hmm. and fall back to the next one when that one gets overrun. Like I, or, or just like thick, heavy concrete walls, like several feet thick might be able to do it. But like right. the, the amount of construction right required and the amount of materials required, I think it's beyond the capabilities of these communities right now. Especially again when the zombie horde is going to be led by an intelli- intelligent beings that can find a weak point and amass there rather than because yeah, yeah. zombies you can trick them into attacking where you're strong and butcher them to death. I mean that's, that's how World War Z was won, right? Go back to the prison. Uh, okay, go find another prison. Uh, yeah. Barricade yourself in there, and the men die slowly, starving to death. The mega, the the, the, the mega bus. It's the old. It's the only yeah. solution. You drive through. You got thirty windows on each side. Three pikemen to a window, uh-huh. like those old Greek tremines. Only it's spears, and you just you just sail through a sea of the dead, just stabbing frantically at both sides. Don't ever stop the mega bus. They tried that. They tried <laughs> the, that in Land of the Dead, and it didn't work out so well. No, they got they got they got uh, jammed up. See, you're the zombie yeah. expert. Um, but no, it is it is an interesting problem because. There is on the other side, the whispers provide no hard target. Like their command, yeah. the only thing that's important to them is their central command structure, and that thing can just melt away and be anywhere. I feel uh, like you need Eugene making just a ton of bombs, Molotov cocktails, just whatever you can you can get for like AOE damage, uh, and sneak in there with the commando team and just start firebombing their troops. While they're in the that's valley, what I was right? thinking too. Like you've got like you, you, a quick, decisive strike with lots of fire and whatnot that you can somehow spread over a wide area before mm-hmm. the whispers can can do anything about it. But shit, how do you even do that? Um, I don't know. I don't think they have the resources. It's an interesting asymmetric warfare that they've walked in, which has never been the case before. You know, the saviors even yeah. had bases that they could be hit at and soft spots where they were vulnerable. I don't know about this g- gang. Um, and now, like, uh, that they can no longer hurt her with Lydia. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's going to be interesting. 
Uh, and I'm curious to see what they do with the hilltop. I assume the FNGs are going to step into the the vacuum there. Um, mm-hmm. Now that Terra's dead, but honestly, I can't think. Like, who's going to be the leader of that community? I was thinking the blacksmith, maybe. Oh, he did say he's getting really fucking or maybe old, Bo- right? Or maybe Boston Rob, Boston Bo- Bo- Boston Rob becomes oh, the leader. That guy. Yeah. Nobody cares about name. him. <laughs> Yeah, the only one that cared about him is dead. She's on a spike. Yeah. The last two people who cared about him have died. Yeah, it's not not a good not a good look, Boston Rob. I don't know. Yeah, Enid deaths Enid's death sucks. Uh, I wish it had been Boston Rob. And that's the thing like I was kind of like the whole time I was thinking Oh, the highwayman, that's bullshit. I really like those characters. Yeah. Oh, the blacksmith's wife, this sucks. Addie Ah, oh, and then like, oh my God, is it going to be Enid? Oh my God, it's Tara. Oh shit, it's Enid too. Mm-hmm. And then Henry. And then like Henry, I said, I like, eh, whatever, Henry. I thought it might be Rosita, but the thing is, just when I thought, well, Henry, I don't give a shit about Henry. They have, you know, Carol, uh, like Daryl, just desperately trying to shield her from seeing this horror. And yeah. I, like I said, I got, I got choked up not because Henry was dead, but because Daryl cares so much about Carol, and they've done a very good job at restoking that relationship. That very kind of pure relationship um man i yeah that they're and they're both really good actors like dorman rebus Reedus might not give a shit about stunt work anymore but uh <laughs> he really is good at making me think he cares a whole lot about lady daryl or lady carol and uh that, <laughs> lady that got to him lady, lady daryl hey he you might, know he might think of her that, that way i don't know uh, uh or cool. he might think of himself that way good question for you uh, uh-huh. recontextualizing one of the previous things, the banging pipes that Henry goes off to check. Was that him being lured away by the, by Alpha? It must have been. I'm kind of bothered that she would know something so specific about the community. I, I kind of wonder yeah. if it's more of like she's an opportunist. She waited for something to peel him away. Because okay. it does seem like... I, I'm wondering... I, I think Alpha's thing was she tried to kill a lot of people that were important to Henry mm-hmm. as a symbol and like one of the things about these girls flirting with Henry is like they were like they were being marked for death right the highwaymen were killed because they were targets of convenience everybody else had like I think maybe not Sadiq mo- most of those people had like a personal connection to Henry in this episode yeah you know so uh, I wondered if that was what they're trying to go for Um I do, know, I do like, wish they had like this was a deliberate thing. Like I'm kill. I'm you know you took one of mine. I'm taking one of yours and everyone who cared about him. And yeah, I and, my hands yeah, on. specifically Henry. Like because the relationship they had uh, mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense. I, I'm a little disappointed in the way that they just kind of gloss over how they would get anybody out of this community. Right? They're in the fair. How are they sneaking people outside of these gates that are surely still guarded? Like, how are they getting in and out of the community with Enid, with Tara, with, like, all these people? I think some of those might have been, like, leaving as patrol detachments. Like, they were, like, heading out at first light or whatnot. But, but yeah, you're... How'd they get Henry out of there? Like... Yeah, Henry or Addie, for sure. Addie, for sure, wasn't going out on any kind of patrol. So... 
I don't know. Alpha had some other like maybe there's uh, maybe there's more people than Alpha going through the community and like helping her out. Yeah, I mean that would have made a lot of sense, but they don't indicate that at all. No, um, they if don't. they had had they like don't. her look over at somebody and just kind of nod slightly, I I would yeah. have gotten. Or if it. they were if they painted like a bunch of other bodies being scalped, you know, yeah, but, like you know, because you know we're smart enough to see oh they did the one thing they can do the other, and I'm kind of almost like thinking as you know we a lot of times bitch that shows don't trust us it's like well they showed us a mechanism for how this can happen we know that every one of these people are skillful at wearing skins and kind of blending in with stuff so like mm-hmm. i could see angela kang being like come on fuckers connect the dots right but i i do think it felt more personal though. there was they parts were going of... with this like personal thing between alpha and lydia uh, yeah. in the scenes that they showed us and then they want us to assume that they were going with a more general thing in the stuff I they think didn't it's... show us I think it's entirely fair to say that there's parts of this episode in the early and late going that are underwritten for sure. Just slightly just, though. Like I don't want to take too much yeah, away from it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Because the the, the most the, the payload that need to land, I think landed better than than I could have ever possibly imagined. Uh a part of it is like yeah. I, I guess like I this show can still sneak up on me like a few shows do, you know, like leftovers if they're able to wrench like a misty eyed, that's because like I they're they're getting past all my fucking defenses, you know. They're, like they're battering them down. But this show, it's kind of like I didn't really expect them to do something this big in the penultimate episode during, yeah. you know, the fair. Like I, I didn't like once we got to the end of the episode, I was ready. To, like, well, I guess you know, Alpha's kind of fucking weak. I was well, genuinely surprised what they were able to do with it. Yeah, and it's a change in the the pattern of The Walking Dead, right? The Walking Dead in past seasons in many past seasons has gone for huge moments as cliffhangers of the very last episode uh and cheaply you know like the, the yeah. cleanse death and all all those things uh this is a, a change in that pattern this is them going for more of a breaking bad type of thing right where like you hit somebody with a, a huge monumental event uh one episode before the finale and then i don't know what they're going to do next episode it's i think it is called the storm Mm-hmm. I don't know how you can get much bigger than this other than having the walker attack, right? Like how to be a counterattack or something, yeah. But but it feels too soon for that. Like I don't know if they're going to do like a bit of a time jump. They've already done that kind of at the end of this episode. They've jumped to winter. Um yeah. The heads on the pikes are gone when Enid and Daryl are out there. I or, do or, sorry, like not Enid, switch. Uh, Lydia and Daryl. I do like to switch the winter and I wonder if they will do something with that because that's one thing the show has never really done. Like we've yeah. seen the 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 vestiges of them surviving a winter where they're eating dog food together and stuff, but we've never actually seen them go through a winter and it's so man, winter is so fucking evocative for this kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh like going into a cold war, like a vicious kind of like eastern front battle or war too. There's a lot of stuff you can do that entire palettes of emotional palette uh, that, that they haven't even touched and i'm i'm kind of curious if they can do it because it's kind of hard to pull that stuff off in georgia because it doesn't really you yeah. know you get a d- light d- dusting of the devil's powder down there and they fucking lose their minds they don't know what to do with it so like i wonder if they'll do some location shooting in canada or something they kind of sell the the winter soldier routine they're wanting to do here. Yeah. Now that they're on the East coast, I feel like there's a, I'd love to see a blizzard, you know, I'd love to see like, uh, although yeah. at the same time, I know walking dead would cheap out and it'd be like this nasty CG cloud. Maybe this, you know, this fog that's standing in for blizzard with a couple of real flakes laid over it. 
Uh, but it'd also be cool because if the, you know, like I do believe that the kingdom is kind of on the teetering on collapse. And now that you've got this Paul that's cast over the middle of the fair and it's the winter is coming. Like there could be some really cool kind of siege type stuff you could do with the kingdom. Um, I would have so many questions yeah. though. How do that, how do the whispers survive the winter? Like they don't have like stores of food as best I can tell. The, the yeah. communities themselves have a hard time surviving the winter. I would think the walkers would freeze to death, too. Like, like the whispers. You know. Yeah. Like they don't have real warm shelters or clothing or well, anything. They're right? zombies. How do they keep the zombies from freezing? Like their manpower might just like. Yeah. Out. Maybe that's how maybe that's how there's a truce. Like, you know, um, the the walkers freeze and the communities have to hunker down. And that's where I wonder if that's where they'll lead it. Because, yeah, winter. Like I said, Game of Thrones reference incoming, but winter is coming, and some of the shots they had establishing that, like the yeah. the row of pikes that are empty, and they had like a, what I would consider a beautiful kind of like dawn shot of the snow falling, and that one flake that they captured, you know, landing on the the Hope amulet, mm-hmm. the hilltop Hope Henry amulet. Um, all that stuff was really, really beautiful and worked really nice. Yeah, um, we've kind of talked about that last scene. A fair bit, but let's talk, I guess, about the Sadiq scene where he tells the community a story mm. about the death of all of their friends um, and about coming together and honoring them rather than this warning that Alpha wanted him to deliver. Uh, I, I I feel like, and this entire time they're showing, you know, these these survivors that end up not surviving, uh, fighting mm. back in this barn um, where they're being held, and. You know, it's all slow motion and, and Enid's got her dukes up and Henry's stand, standing there like a dumb fuck. I feel like if he had a stick, it'd be all over. Like, forget about it. <laughs> right, right. But he, he didn't know what to do without a stick. He's looking around. He's trying mm. to find a, a broom handle, a rake, where, something where he can get use. A stick? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, it, it, also, I think that's a smart thing. It's like, you know, so many of the people in Negan's era went down helpless like on their knees you know not exactly begging for their lives but it it felt not fair and this was nice that like that's what the alpha wanted to happen but because and only because the kingdom had decided to trust and try something new with a band of outsiders like that small change that carol suggested three episodes ago led to this uh you know, kind of heroic end for these characters who did die. Yes. But they died as Sadiq pointed out as heroes. And I think mm-hmm. that's all very thematic and it ties in, you know, if Carol hadn't done that, the high women wouldn't have been there. Uh, they would have had these grim executions and Sadiq wouldn't have this kind of hopeful moment of them all fighting uh, like heroes together to, to, to save themselves because they're family. Um, yeah. This community could fall apart right then and there. Yeah, like all these various decisions Michonne decided to open her heart, all these kind of like, I don't know, I that, I, I like shit like that. The idea that like everyone's individual decisions to trust and be open and to love are rewarded um, in ways you can't even imagine, even in these like, you know, this is a dark time, but like it's really easy to imagine it had been darker without these individual epiphanies that they've had. And I fucking yeah. love that. It's really, really good writing and really good thematic stuff. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, Lydia lays down all her hope at the end of this episode in front of Henry's Pike. Yeah. So I don't know what her deal is going to be going forward. She could definitely be mm-hmm. scarred by being essentially the cause of this entire thing. Uh, but that's what I'm thinking. 
that like the survivor's guilt is going to be yeah. something something else. We'll see. We'll see in the storm. Do you think they'll week. have that blonde bang punk giving her any shit about like, <laughs> yeah. oh, look here, little new girl. You got us all killed. <laughs> Fucking loser. <laughs> yep. All right. Uh, that's it. That's it for the episode. Yeah, if you uh, we've got one more episode, we might do feedback after next episode. If we have a lot of feedback, we might kick and do an actual like uh, end of season wrap up like we've done before. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see how much uh, how big our mailbag is. But if you got some stuff to say about this season and our coverage of it, send it in. Now's the time. Watching dead at baldmove.com. We'll be back next month for the not next month. We'll be back next week for the finale yeah. of season nine. Or perhaps we'll be back with a, another wrap-up episode with some feedback. Either way, uh, there should be lots of good stuff if you're a Walking Dead fan. We've, um, in the background, been playing these uh, Let's Plays of the the last Telltale season. Uh, if, you've, if, if you've ever heard of our stuff before, we, we play this thing called Bad Guy X. Uh, Bad Guy Clem is one of our oldest characters, and we take Clementine, the this, this sweet girl, we turned her into a monster, and now we're trying to do the same thing with her her ward, adopted ward AJ. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's a lot of it's it's a <laughs> it's been kind of he- heavy work making this stuff funny because it's a bunch of bunch of child soldiers this season. They they saddles mm-hmm. a lot of uh, emotional material to make fun of, but we're doing our best. Soldier all that on. stuff. All that stuff is available for club members if you want to celebrate that. Uh, and then there's a lot of good pulp stuff uh, going on right now. Uh, if you want to keep the kind of good pulpy vibes going, we're currently covering the boys over on the Department of Homelander security feed and the Bald Move pulp feed. And we've also covering a, a really good pulpy show, Lovecraft Country, over on our off the clock uh, premium podcast. So there's a lot of stuff. I hope you stick with us over the next few weeks. But we do have at least one more week of The Walking Dead Season 9 to look forward to. Uh, hope to see you back next week. Until then, I am Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya.